Good morning, my name's Phil Nelson. I'm so honored and humbled to be here this morning. Uh, we've been going through the Healthy Living series. Do you feel like, you're, you just nod, we don't have to clap necessarily, do you feel like you're starting to understand what true healthy living is about? It's about the full alignment with the God who loves us, the God of the universe who set everything in motion. He gave everything up to be with you. And that's when we get the vertical right, everything else comes in alignment. And uh, uh, this prop here, we've been using these blocks that spell out basics. We're going back to the basics to understand what healthy living is truly about, grounded on the only truth that we could ever find in this world called the truth and the Word of God. And this morning, we're taking a look in this three-week section of healthy relationships. This is the third week of this section. Next week we're going to start healthy finances. But it all basically stems from the vertical. Once you get the one and only Christ, the only God, the only Holy Spirit into our lives and activated in our lives, it's only then can we start to do the one another's. And from the one another's then is everything else from our emotional health to our financial health to our physical health, and on and on and on it goes. And so what we're learning is in order to have healthy relationships, as a follower and believer of Jesus Christ, the only way you can have healthy relationships is to have a healthy relationship with the one true God. When your healthy relationship is grounded in the one true God, then everything else falls into place. When we understand that we are grounded in this agape love, this unconditional love, and we have received it for ourselves, and you have allowed that love that you don't deserve to go down deep into your hearts, rooted into your soul, rooted into everything you do, it's then you can share that very same love of God with others. And two weeks ago, we defined love as this, compassionately and righteously seeking the well-being of another. And I like to add a little, uh, yeah, it's up there, no strings attached. No strings attached, no, you know, well, I expect this. Or I want to see this. No, it's love being compassionately and righteously seeking the well-being of another. Not based on what they've done, who they are, but based on the love that God has given you. And so today, we are going to look at a huge barrier in life, and especially the Christian life, of loving one another. If we don't conquer and blow down the walls of this barrier, it will destroy your relationships. That's a big word, but today we're going to understand the destructiveness of this word. And like the video that we saw, kids speaking innocent, pure truth, we're going to look at one word, just one word, 
And most of you got notes when you came on in, a welcome card. There's a connect card in front of you. I believe there's also sermon notes. Go ahead and get that out. We also have a phone app that you can uh, um, look at the Bible on our app there. You can take notes. Make this for yourselves. I love seeing Bibles getting pulled out. We also have hard copies of the ESV Bible in front of you in every row, hopefully. If you don't have a Bible, that is yours to keep. We're going to focus on one word. One word that when it is applied, and when this one word is received in your life, received, and one word when it's given in your life, will lead your life into total, complete freedom. I don't know about you, but I imagine that that's the desires of your heart, is to live in the fullness and the freedom that God paid the price with his son to give us. But it's also one word that if it's not applied, and it's not received, and it's not given, here we go, it will destroy your relationships. And most importantly, a destructive relationship that maybe you never even had with God the Father who loves you. This word is such a huge word and it's found all over the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Do you know that the, the word gospel means good news? It's good news for all of us this morning and everyone listening uh, to my voice online and anyone watching streaming online right now. It is found in the good news of Jesus Christ. And this one word is all about good news because without Jesus, we wouldn't have this one word. You want this one word this morning, don't you? This one word is what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now I sense it even in this room. <laughs> Some people, when you hear that word even now, are caught just taking a deep breath. And it feels like this, this gentle breeze just rushing over you because you've experienced forgiveness. You know what it feels like. And there's such peace and relief from knowing and receiving that you've been forgiven. But for some of you, I saw some of you tense up. <laughs> some of you, it's like hearing that word and you hear nails on a chalkboard. Or like me, biting on a popsicle stick that sends chills down my spine. Or like my wife, she hates the sound of styrofoam squeaking next to each other as you rub it together. Some of you have that experience when we say the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. And I don't know where you are this morning, but I can assume and give an educated guess that we have people on both sides of the party or on the scale or the teeter-totter, and we just don't know which way we're going to end up. And so we're going to talk this morning 
about forgiveness. And I know for many of us, it's going to be difficult to wrestle through this word. But what we need to understand more than anything is if we want the love of God to be in our lives, we must learn to forgive. Because the Bible says, we're going to see at the end of this message, that if God truly lives within us, the byproduct of that will be loving one another. And we cannot love one another if we cannot forgive one another. So would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we desperately need you this morning. And I, I just sense in my heart that there are, are people who are just even right now just even struggling with staying in their seat. They want to dart for the back door so fast because they feel like if anyone understood their pain, that they would be justified not to forgive. But Father, you understand our pain. You sent your son Jesus, and Jesus, you took the sins of the world upon your shoulders, and you died for that sin. And so, Lord, would you teach us this morning through your Holy Spirit right now, every person that hears my voice, that you would teach us. You would open our eyes and you would grace us with the courage and the strength to receive forgiveness, not only for ourselves, but to offer forgiveness maybe to you, God, who don't deserve forgiveness. You don't deserve, uh, or excuse me, you don't need forgiveness. You are perfect. You are holy. You are righteous. But in our finite minds, we have accused you. And we need to offer forgiveness that forgiveness to release those chains in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would also have the courage and strength to forgive one another. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I love when you guys are uh, are participating this morning and every morning, and I do understand that there's probably not going to be a lot of amens this morning with such a deep subject, but if you believe the Word of God, I ask you to stay engaged. Let's look to the Word. We're, we're, um, we're in Ephesians as much as we can be through this Healthy Living series. And so I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. It'll be on the screen, but I really challenge you to write these scriptures down. You can go to your 222 groups. Go to your family and talk about this. Speaking of, it's quite amazing. Um, the kids back in E-Kids are going through the very same scriptures that we are, and it wasn't planned that way. So parents, this week, you have an assignment. Talk to your kids, because I bet you you'll be able to learn something from a heart of a child. Ephesians 1, verse 7, in him, meaning Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses that means our sins trespasses is when you are going somewhere or you cross territory that you shouldn't cross and we cross that holy perfection that Christ that God made us in his image through sin 
So he gave us the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. This morning, if you hear anything this morning, you need to understand one thing. That the eternal God, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit love you, loves you so much deeper, so much more ravishly and radically than you will ever in your human minds be able to comprehend. This God gave up everything to love you. And in order to truly experience that love relationship with God, he needed to send and sacrifice his son so that he could have that relationship with you. That is love. No greater love than one to lay down his life for another. Take an inventory in your life. Would you lay down your life for the person who has accused you? Would you lay down your life for the coworker who absolutely hates you? Would you lay down your life for even maybe the person sitting next to you? Jesus laid down his life for every single sinner. Colossians 1, verses 13 through 14, and this is the scripture that even right now they, the kids, are focusing on. It says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness. You cannot receive forgiveness for your sins, but only through the precious sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.9 in the New Testament says this, if we confess our sins, by the way, we don't have a confessional here. I'm not the one you're to confess to. Our vertical relationship is the one we're to confess to because he only is the one that we have sinned against. And it says this, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to what's that word cleanse us from all unrighteousness and it goes on to say if we say that we haven't sinned we call God a liar don't do that (laughs) Psalms 103 one of my favorite verses it says for as high as the heavens are above the earth can we read this together so great is his steadfast love to those that... I'm reading a different section, sorry. Let's try that again. His steadfast love toward those who fear him. Here we go. As far as the east is from the west, everybody, so far does he remove our transgression from us. There's this incredible book called um, Secret Mysteries. Did I say it right? Book of Mysteries. It's that good of a book. Um, by Jonathan Kahn. And uh, it says this about the east to the west. Can we put that up there? It says, how far is the east from the west? East and west have absolutely no poles. 
unlike the North Pole and the South Pole. Therefore, they never end. East and West are infinite. They go on and on and on forever. In fact, the Hebrew word for East is Kadem, also meaning everlasting. If you had all of eternity, which we will, if we are in Christ, you could never find your sins again. They've been removed. The scripture does not say as far as the north is from the south. Because there's ending points. And so at some point you would be able to find your sins again. Some of you need to know that they're gone. Your past is gone. Your past is gone if you've allowed Jesus Christ to cleanse you of your sins. The world tells you, I'm sorry, no one is worth that kind of forgiveness. Wouldn't you agree? But the love that came down from heaven to take your place says, you are worth it. The world doesn't measure things by grace. It's what, three strikes and you're out, right? And second chances is all they get. After that, I'm sorry, you had a choice. But the grace of Jesus Christ says you are loved. You are no longer slaves to fear. You are no longer condemned. You are mine. You see, Jesus' body, we're going to take communion after the message today, and communion is all about preaching and reminding us of what Jesus did. This is what he did. He was beaten and broken and crushed. And his blood was spilled out to where the deepest pit to where the lowest valley that you may have found yourselves in your life, to the darkest of dungeon you may be living in, in addiction right now, the most horrible kind of sinful past could never, ever hide from the love of Christ. It is covered by the blood. And here's something else from Jonathan Kahn about this kind of love. It says this. He's talking about when the sun goes down in Hebrew culture, that day is done. It's gone. It's no more. And as the sun went down on the cross and they buried Jesus in the tomb, our sins were no more. And he says this, the events of our old lives now belong to yesterday. The mistakes in our lives, the problems, the sins, the fears, the shame, the guilt, they belong to that which is no more. Through Jesus Christ rescuing us from the powerful grip of sin, we are now a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you have received Christ's salvation for your life, you are a new creation. If that is you, I want you to do something. Repeat after me. I am new. Say it again. I am new. I am new. And I'll say this. The old is gone. 
the new in Christ has come. Amen. But you see, no one desires, excuse me, no one deserves that kind of love. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. I know what I've done, and I don't want you to know. (laughs) And it's been forgiven. It is for you this morning. And please, stay with me. I won't preach too much longer, but I want you to understand the power of receiving forgiveness. This love is for you, church. Once it gets a hold of you and makes you new, you are able to offer that same forgiveness. But here's the problem, is we live in a sinful, fallen world. All of us. All of us. And we are called to forgive all of those who sinned against us. But our society does not say that. And to take a humorous look, because I think we'd need a moment to laugh for a minute before we go into why we don't forgive, I want you to find this very serious clip from Tyler Perry's movie, Medea Goes to Jail, to display, I'm already laughing because it's good, to display the humorous side of a very destructive thing called unforgiveness. Let's watch. Would you do me a favor and turn, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to stay here for just a little bit. Matthew chapter 18. And while you're doing that, I want to cover just a few scriptures in Ephesians 4, verses 31, 32. Don't get confused. You're going to Matthew 18. But it says this about forgiveness. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Here it is, as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. We forgive because we have been forgiven. 1 John 2, 9-11, through 11, these are harsh words to read, but this is so true. Whoever says he is in the light, Christ Jesus, and hates his brother, brother, is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you have darkened eyes. You have truly not been able to receive the love of Christ deep into your hearts because if you have, you would be able to freely forgive. Matthew 6 says, For if you forgive others of their sins, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others of their sins, how would the heavenly Father forgive you? You want forgiveness? Give forgiveness. You want grace? Give grace. And now, since I have your attention, we're going to go through Matthew 18, and we're going to go pretty fast here. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Underline that. 
And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife and children, and all that he had, and the payment to be made. Now stop there. Why would Jesus say this? Well, when, G- when, when the Jewish people heard Jesus telling the story of 10,000 talents, they knew that this was just a story, that this could not be real. Why? Because one talent equals 20 years of work to pay off one talent. 20 years, you get that? So Jesus is throwing out this astronomical number to make a point. And what point is he making? He is saying that this man would never, ever, in a million years, be able to pay the debt that he owed. And he's trying to get that to us, that the point is several lifetimes of your own work and your own heartache could never repay the debt you owe to God the Father. You see, you could never live right, you can never pray right, you could never love enough, serve enough, do enough, give enough to pay the debt you owe to God. Never. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. And this is where Peter, the disciple, is saying, that's absolutely ridiculous. And Jesus says, yeah, that's the point. The gospel of forgiveness and grace is ridiculous. But it's for us. And so going on, verse 26 says, So the servant who owed the 10,000 talents fell on his knees, begging, imploring him, Have patience on me and with me, and I will pay you back everything. And out of the pity for this man, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt that he could never pay. And that's how it played out for you and me. That's how it played out for you and for me. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for unbelievers. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this gospel message needs to be preached over and over and over and over again. That's why we do communion. It's to remember that your sin was paid for. It was a debt that you could never pay, but with the penalty of your debt, of your life being dead and separated from a loving God for all of eternity. So we need to receive and teach ourselves the gospel of Jesus Christ so we don't forget and we don't lose the value and the appreciation of what Jesus has done for us. Because if we understand that, we will freely, even though it's not easy, we will freely forgive others. Now let's look what happened to this man after his debt that he could never pay was forgiven. But when that same servant, when that same servant went out, some teachers say that he immediately left the presence of this king and went out and he forgot that his debt was paid. Because why? He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Denarii is one full day worth of wages. A hundred denarii is payable. You could pay that debt. It may take you some time, but you can pay that debt. Jesus is trying to say that the sin that we have done in, in sin of betraying God is a debt that is, can't be paid on our own. But when others sin against us, that debt can be paid because of what Jesus has done for us. Are you following me? 
And so the fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. It's almost like deja vu. Didn't that just happen? Fell down and pleaded for mercy. But when that same servant saw that man who pleaded for his life, he says, have patience with me and I will pay you. And the man refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. He missed it. He forgot. And so often, church, I forget. Because I come into the presence of God. We know that all believers, the presence of God lives within us. But when I come to God and I say, I need your mercy, I need your forgiveness, for I betrayed you, I've sinned against you, and he says, you are forgiven but then I go out and those who have hurt me and offended me, I demand justice. You see, we can't go into the presence of God and demand mercy and forgiveness and go out and demand justice to those who have offended us. It doesn't work that way. We are not God. Nor should we play the role of God. That's the essence of the gospel is that he has forgiven us our debt that we could never pay. And so we are to forgive one another. Verse 32 through 35 says, Then when the big master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers. Hebrew word actually means torturers. Not just jailers, torturers. So a life of torture because of his unforgiveness to pay all his debt. Did you catch that? When we live a life of unforgiveness, it takes us captive. And the one that is tortured is not the person who sinned against you, it's you. Unforgiveness tortures you. And it's time to let it go. And so I want to take three minutes and I want to teach you about unforgiveness that I hope you will never forget. You know, we had to baby-proof our, our house, as all parents should do, and especially underneath the sink because there's a lot of chemicals and poisonous stuff. And how crazy would it be for us to just say it's okay, we're not going to hide that stuff. If he gets in it, he gets in it. Wouldn't be a loving parent, would it? But one thing we need to understand is something more toxic than the chemicals underneath our kitchen sink is unforgiveness. It is so toxic and it will destroy the life inside of you and the relationships around you. Hear me. The failure to offer forgiveness is one of Satan's main tools and his main plan and his main attack to having a foothold in your life and your relationships. Unforgiveness is from Satan himself. And now you understand why he works overtime and his demons work overtime to cast you in a place where unforgiveness is all you see and experience. 
Because with unforgiveness, as toxic as it is, we cannot experience forgiveness. It will steal your joy. It will steal your peace. It will steal the blessings that God wants to give you through forgiveness. It will kill your dreams. It will kill them and leave you in a desolate, lonely, miserable place. This is why Jesus died for you. And ultimately, it will kill every ounce that is inside of you because it destroys relationships. Now, I usually don't endorse movies all the time, but there is a Christian-based movie that I believe every single person needs to see. Whether you look at it as untheological or you're looking for the black and white, you'll find it. But if you're looking for a journey and a story of finding forgiveness through the pain and through the hurt and understanding how deep the Father's love is for you, you need to go see the shack. It will change you if you let it. Because the love of God, the fingerprints of God is all over it. Again, it's a movie. It's a creative story. Story. Enjoy it. And allow God to work in your heart. Many of you right now are shaking inside and you're saying, but you don't understand. I want to hurt him like he hurt me. I want you, God, to hurt her like she hurt me. But you see, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was powerful enough to set you free. It's powerful enough to set that other person free. Because when Jesus died for you, he died for that person who sinned against you. And he wants to redeem that man or woman who caused you turmoil and pain. But you don't understand what they've done, Phil. You're right, I don't. Jesus does, and he died for that. You don't understand the pain they caused me. I just don't want to forgive them because that means they get away from it. No, it doesn't. Everything, every sin has a cost. There is consequences for sin for both you and for me and those who sin against us. Jesus is not asking for us to excuse what was done. He's asking us to trust him to take care of it. But I want nothing to do with them. They should be damned to hell. Maybe. But I should be too. Did you catch it in verse 28? I actually think I skipped over it. But it says that the man that was forgiven for the large amount of debt went to the servant that had a payable debt that he could pay. What did he do? He choked him. He choked him. And he says, give me back what you stole. And unforgiveness is putting a chokehold on yourself and putting a chokehold on another person who has been forgiven by God. D. 
Did you catch that? Forgiveness doesn't establish a relationship. You can forgive someone you don't like. You have people who don't like you, and you have people you don't like, but you can love them, and you can forgive them. You don't have to have a relationship. Jesus did not say that forgiveness established a relationship, but it releases the grip that you have on someone's throat. And today, some people, before you're set free, need to release the grip that you've had on somebody for so many years. But I'm still angry. It's okay. Sometimes it takes a hundred thousand times to keep saying, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. But once that forgiveness starts to embrace your heart, it will become easier and easier and easier. We're going to end with a video clip that I think everyone needs to see. Someone in deep, deep pain was able to experience forgiveness and give forgiveness. But first, I want to leave you with this. Something that spoke to me this week, and it's this. If you could just shift your earthly thinking for a moment, your finite thinking, and try to think with more of eternal, an eternal perspective of how God sees things not moment by moment and our emotions and our feelings, but God's big picture. If you could shift your perspective, you need to understand that there are so many people around you that need the love of Jesus experienced in you and through you that unforgiveness is choking you to where you cannot be Jesus' hands and feet to the people who need you. Jesus, here I am. I want to serve you. Here's your servant. And he's saying, before you do anything, go forgive. The life of Christ is made known to everybody by your love and forgiveness. The Bible even says, if you cannot forgive, the love of God is not in you. You see, we get lost and tied up in our own sadness. And I know we're acquainted with grief and we have so many trials and Jesus says you're going to have hurt and troubles. We live in a fallen world where sickness is taking family members, drug addictions and all this stuff and war and hate is taking people we love. But if we're not careful, we will be consumed by our sadness and our grief and we will miss what love has for us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to watch this clip and we're going to worship and we're going to take communion. So I'll come back after the video clip, but push away all distractions as much as possible and watch this clip on forgiveness. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It'll be on the screen. We're going to take communion in just a minute. So if you're serving communion, if you wouldn't mind, just get ready. But even though serving communion, I want you to hear this. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, Paul speaking, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance 
of me. In the same way, he also took the cup, and after, after supper, he said this, this cup is the new covenant, it's my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore, here it is, we're talking about unforgiveness that I want us all to adhere to this morning. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. That goes with Matthew when Jesus says, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. We're going to take communion, which is the gospel message reminding us that we have been forgiven. Our debt that we could never pay is forgiven. But if there is bitterness and jealousy and condemnation and unforgiveness in your heart, you shouldn't take communion today. It says this, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. He's saying you need to forgive because you have been freely forgiven. And so as the bread is passed, as the body, and as the cup is passed, as the blood, the Bible also says if you have bitterness or you have an offense in your heart, Go to that person. If that person is here, deal with it now. If that person is deceased, do it in your heart. And I'm going to open the altar during this time of communion. If you want to process forgiveness, if you want to come to the altar as a sign of laying it down once and for all, some of you are exhausted by carrying this burden for so many years. If you as a married couple need to experience forgiveness in your lives, I want you to come forward and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that you would receive forgiveness and you would have the strength and the courage to finally let it go at the feet of the cross. And we're going to play that song and then we're going to go into another song of worship. But during this song, forgiveness, if any of you need to forgive, let's deal with it now. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your spirit would move like a rushing wind. Would be so hot as fire on, on anyone who is holding and clinging on to sin that they would be able to let it go, Father. That they would be able to let it go in Jesus' name. That they would receive your love and your forgiveness and they would set it free this morning. Set it free in Jesus' name. Thank you. If that's you, come on forward. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Whatever it is, I want you to come forward. Let's lay it down this morning. Let's lay it down and allow ourselves to be forgiven. Father, we want to be set free.
I'm tired of seeing so many people completely exhausted, completely beaten up, believing the lies of their false identity of guilt and shame, and I'm tired of it, God. You paid that penalty on the cross, and you tore that veil that was impossible to tear from the top to the bottom, letting us know that we are free to come to you just as we are, God. And we come to you. Would you stand on your feet this morning? We come to you, Lord. We open our hearts to you, Father. And we receive forgiveness. And we offer it freely. Let's sing that.